Blog Talk Radio. This man is a doctor. This man is a doctor. Yeah, this man is a doctor. Oh, when it comes on in. Good evening. Welcome to the show. Uh, we thank you for joining us. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. This is the Bachelor News Radio Show. I'm L.A. Bachelor. We uh, try to uh, bring you the truth all the time, and we certainly appreciate you wherever you are listening right now. Before we go to our guest, we will be uh, uh Playing a, a song And keep in mind this is Women's History Month uh, So we will definitely be uh, Focusing on and highlighting uh, Women in history uh, You can listen At Facebook on Pad Nation, Pad Nation 2 at Twitter And if you miss any part of this broadcast Go to our website TheBachelorNewsRadioNetwork.com And click on the Bachelor News Radio uh, Show page to listen And enjoy
Welcome back to the show. Uh, we thank you for listening, as always, uh, to the Bastion News Radio Show, 646-929-0130, the number. want to bring in my uh, one of my guests. Uh, he is a motivational speaker, media personality, and community activist. He is Dr. Lee Bell. And, Doc, always a pleasure to have you on the Bastion News Radio Show, sir. Well, it's always great to be in the Bachelor Pad Radio Show and Network LA. Doc, uh, I know um, we were looking at another guest. Hopefully, we'll get him on the line. Uh, but uh, there is a movement. Well, first of all, let me backtrack for those who don't know. You're in Flint, Michigan, um, where the Flint water genocide is taking place. Um, and, you know, obviously people are not familiar with the, the case, shame on them, but, um, the, the water and the, the, there was lead in the water, people are getting sick. Some people have had some fatalities there in Flint, um, mostly black and brown people, but poor whites as well. They live in the city. Uh, the former governor, uh, who was not the governor anymore is a, a free man. Um, a lot of people have not been charged, even indicted, if you will. Um, but there's a lawsuit out there now. Um, but the concern from you and, and, and you guess if we get him on, is that the lawyers who are bringing this lawsuit on behalf of the citizens of Flint, Michigan, are taking too much money. And before you answer to and 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 before you answer to Doc, I, I have to I have to say full disclosure. Um, for me personally, I never say all, but what I am going to say is that liars, I mean lawyers, um, some of them overcharge. It, it's like the medical profession. If you have a retainer. That's basically saying we're going to bill you for services we may help you with. That's medical insurance. You paying out of your pocket for maybe getting sick. So, and I have a problem with that. I have a big problem with that. And I have lawyer friends, and some are not my friends anymore. But, but I have a problem with that. And so, it, people like yourself in this city that had to get bottled water. Are suffering. You get some form of some form of monetary justice, if you will, and even that's being robbed from the citizens of Flint. So talk about that and why these this 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 petition that's going on, and 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 how and why these attorneys are overbilling this thing from a, a city that's already been decimated with all kinds of uh, legions, diseases, and everything else. L.A., the only answer I can give you is greed. They are set to get off the top of the settlement $202 billion. And then last week they submitted expenses in the amount of $7 million. Now, anyone following the Flint water crisis case knows 
the lawyers had to do very little work. All of the evidence, per se, is right out in the open. This is not the criminal trial. This is simply something that the state of Michigan put on the table and negotiated. $641 million. They asked the city of Flint to put in $20 million. A local construction firm put in $1.2 million, I believe. And then the hospital where all of the Legionnaires' cases came from, they put in $20 million. Now, where do you charge the victim or a city of victims to put into a lawsuit? In my estimation, the state should have ponied up $1.5 billion or more. The local hospital, McLaren, CDC released a study about two weeks ago, CDC Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They said this hospital has been linked to Legionnaire's disease for the last 10 years. What the governor, the attorney general, came up with while negotiating this proposed settlement was 641, well, 600 million. 20 was put in by McLaren, 20 was put in by the city of Flint, and 1.5 or so put in by a local engineering firm. Now, to add insult to injury, the engineering firm, they are still getting city work. The settlement is broken down into several pieces. 80% of the monies will go towards the children in Flint. Let me say that again. 80% of the monies will go to the children of Flint who can prove that they have been harmed by the lead water. There's a psychological exam that needs to be done. There has been 28 done to date, and there are over 2,000 and something kids who need this test, and the deadline to sign up for the lawsuit is March 29th. That's the date that everybody has to make a decision. And in some cases, you need to make the decision today because the if you're going to opt out of the suit altogether, that paperwork has to be in the mail postmarked by March 29th. With this, it's just a few days from now. If you're going to opt in with objections, your paperwork has to actually be where it needs to be on the 29th. And Doc, let me ask you this real quick. Let me yeah. ask you this real quick. The The... This, this, these attorneys were appointed by a judge, right? Yes, Judge Judith so, Levy. So then, how does it's? I don't tell me the dynamics and how 
if they're appointed by a judge, how do they? It may um stupid or something, but it, it, how do they get to get their thirty three and a half percent or whatever they normally charge if they if they're appointed by a judge? The second point of this, the second question I have for you, is that if if they if these if people do people first of all all Flint know that they have this lawsuit that they can they have the deadline and and if they know the deadline can they opt out and get a private attorney to push forth more on their behalf yes you can opt out yes you can opt out and get a private attorney at your expense of course but LA this is part of the problem the lawyer's office has been closed due to the pandemic until two weeks ago. Most Flint residents have not received their packets in the mail. And it's a 70-page packet that you must decipher. Now, those living in Flint who are in the know, you have three options for this lawsuit. You can opt in saying I'm okay with the settlement as it is. You can opt in with objections. And to do that, you have to, in writing, send material to the judge saying I object for whatever reason you have. Or you can opt out get your own lawyer at your own expense. But that's not really wise right now. They have to do what they have to do by March 29th. Now, the piece with the opt-in with objections, our city councilman, Eric Mays, asked the lawyers for the lawsuit, would they help him with objections? They told him no, could not, and they would not. Now, just today, Councilman Mays broke the news that he's been talking with a local attorney, and they are recruiting new attorneys to help people file the opt-in with objections paperwork. We are objecting for several reasons. Number one, the office of the lawyers have been closed due to pandemic. There's a bone lead test that is supposed to be made available. One of the local doctors broke the news a couple of weeks ago that this device that they're using, it's a handheld x-ray machine will more than likely put the kids and the adults in more danger. They're just bringing this test to the community. It's an x-ray machine. It wasn't even made for human beings. So you're trying to poison this community again with lead or x-rays. It's a mess, L.A. So let me... Go ahead. So Mr. Bob Jerigo Jones and his Michigan lawsuit abuse watch group, they've been watching this uh, fiasco and decided to step in. So the campaign is called More for Flint. 
his firm. It's a nonprofit firm. They are stepping in to not only challenge the lawyers' fees, but they're also trying to secure more money for the citizens of Flint. Now, the category for adults that have been harmed, physically harmed, you have to prove that you've been harmed. Doctor records, x-rays, CAT scans, and the like. If you are an adult claiming injury on your property, the cap on that is $1,000. Now, if you have bought a hot water heater, a washer and dryer, or if you had to buy a whole house filter, those items cost more than $1,000. Now, let me put this on the table. The lawyers negotiated this settlement supposedly. So my question has been, what the hell does the state of Michigan have to negotiate with? They're the perpetrators of this crime. Every citizen, every person who visited Flint, who worked in Flint, should be eligible for some kind of compensation. Do you remember the story about Michigan State where the 200-plus young ladies were molested by Dr. Nasser? Yes, I do. The, the, uh, so he, my, uh, yeah, he was a was he a strength and conditioning coach? I forgot what he was at Michigan State, but I know their, I know the story. He, he was their physician. So the question is, why did those mostly little white girls? No, the question is, how did they prove they were molested? But you're going to make the residents of visitors to the city of Flint and those who worked in Flint prove that they have been harmed by the poison water. Because the poison water affected black people. That's why. We know what the answer is, Doc. Um, You know, it's, it's bad enough that these politicians, that criminal, your former Governor Snyder, have not been arrested and, and charged and things. Um, indictments are one thing, making them go to jail is something different. Um, and to be clear, 80% of this money will go to Flint kids who shouldn't have who, to prove. They got legionnaires and everything. They, they, what are they proving? I, I mean, no disrespect to these, these, these girls that got raped and everything, but, you know, we always have to prove ourselves. We have to be half dead for for any kind of investigation, let alone justice, that takes place. And and it's just very is is very sickening that these, these are, attorneys could do these this. are these are mainly white law firms. They negotiated that we have to prove we've been endangered. Now, the monies that the kids will be able to get, providing they have the documentation, will go into a trust fund. 
So the parents that have struggled for the last seven years due to their children being poisoned will not even have access to that money. Mm -mm. Wow. So I asked Bob the other day, with all of the hoops and hurdles that the residents of Flint have to uh, uh, achieve, what happens to the leftover money? He said, well, it could go to the attorneys. So on or top of what they're getting, the leftover money can go back in the attorney's hands. Or to some pet project they have, such wow. as it might go back to the law school that they graduated from. But L.A., I want people to remember more for Flint. That's what this campaign is called, More for Flint. And your listeners can go to moreforflint.com and sign the petition. I, I want to uh, just moreforflint.com. And, Doc, I want to read just some part of that homepage that uh, it, it says the um, – we believe the $202.8 million in fees being demanded, demanded by the plaintiff lawyers. Now, these are lawyers, folks, that were designated by a judge, demanded, uh, appointed by the court to represent the victims in the Flint water crisis settlement. It's excessive and outrageous. It says, in bold, every 1% reduction in the lawyers, 1%. One percent, not ten percent, only one percent contingency fee would provide the twenty six thousand Flint children exposed to lead another visit to the uh, pediatrician. And it basically says, you know, we'd rather give it to, to, to help the kids than the, the pad the pockets of these liars, lawyers. And so, um, you know, doctor, I. If if you could just express the outrage, not just from this with the lawyers, but this has been going on under the radar. We know we've had COVID, but the water crisis has been going on in Flint way before COVID. This crisis has been going on and been covered up way before a lot of different things. And we've had two presidents, yes, folks who love Barack Obama, who didn't really do anything about it. Two senators that did nothing about it. A governor who does nothing about it. An attorney general who's settling. So nobody seems to, to care about the damn thing. Not, nobody cares that these, these folks are suffering. And then on top of the physical suffering, now you want to hit them and take some of the money. Now those who are already struggling to take care of their families, including their sick kids, can't even have the, the funds better themselves and, 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 and do the things they need. It's almost like a doc, like it, they want them to get private attorneys so they can drag it out. It's like the old NFL adage with some of the former players. The NFL with these former players that have concussions and all CTE-type uh, uh, injuries, they keep them in court until they die. And that's the, that's the strategy, and it seems like that's the strategy in Flint right now. I would have to agree what we hear at the legislature. They have Flint fatigue 
they're tired of hearing about the Flint water crisis. What I say to that, I'm talking to some other lawyers. There's a lawyer out of Atlanta, C.K. Hoffler. She's president of the National Bar Association, which are a group of black lawyers. They will not get into this lawsuit, but they are fighting on our behalf in other ways. C.K. Hoffler is also the counsel of uh, Rainbow Push. Now, these lawyers negotiated in secrecy for two and a half to three years, and they brought this proposed settlement to our city council to ask them to put in $20 million, which will come from our insurance policy. That happened in late to mid-December. That's the first we ever heard of the lawsuit being close to being settled and put on the table. So all of this has been done in a rush. Like I said, the deadline to sign up is March 29th. Some people have not gotten their forms yet a pack of 70 pages. Oh, and LA, they did not include an opt-in with options page. So that's why we're scrambling with another local attorney to create a page so people can start picking those up on Wednesday. And we're hoping that the opt-in with objections will be in greater number than those who have already just opted in. When do you have a lawyer or a lawsuit and the lawyer tells you to settle and you don't know what you're getting? Exactly. Um, If you're just joining us, we'll talk with Dr. Lee Bell in Flint, Michigan on the Bastard News Radio Show on WCOM in Chapel Hill. Uh, the website is moreflint.com, moreflint.com. You can sign a more petition there and get involved. Uh, yeah, more.com. And, uh, Doc, two questions for you. Have you noticed attorneys, you mentioned attorneys in Atlanta, that local attorneys are afraid, apprehensive to get involved with this? And then the second part of this, is this not some form of civil rights Violations in terms of the rights to be able to 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 uh, uh, live and live healthy, uh, paying your taxes and and the right to have those those liberties, as you will, maybe the ACLU, um, you know, in the city of Flint. L.A. It's definitely a case based on race, both the original crime the poisoning of the Flint water, the Michigan Civil Rights Commission did a study. They went back in Flint's history for 100 years, and they came back with a document and with the final, uh, what do you call it, a final disposition that this happened because of race. 
there are two black attorneys that are on the periphery of this case. One is Valdemar Washington. Mr. Washington has has a case suing the city of Flint for illegally raising our water rates over the last eight years or so. So he is being kept out of this big settlement. And then there's another local attorney, black guy, Lois Fletcher. He is suing, trying to get the Flint residents their money back for the water that we have been paying for for seven years that we cannot use. The lawyers on the lawsuit took him to court. The judge called, the federal judge, Judith Levy, called in Mr. Fletcher and told him to stand down. Stay out of this. So you have these out-of-town white lawyers running the show. And one of the law firms has been allegedly caught stealing money from the 911 class action lawsuit. And there are four white uh, law firms that will divvy up that $208 million or so. You know, it's I, I want people to, to, to understand and, and, and get the picture of this. This is not the, a third world country. This is the United States of America, and this is a city in America that's gone, that, that, that got poisoned by bad water um, and folks, if, if you're listening and you think it's not going on in your city or some cities around you, then, then I'll sell you to Brooklyn bridge. Um, and, and, and doc, I, I, I don't want to make it completely political, but you always talk about how Republicans and Democrats are, are in the same, especially, um, the white ones, let's just be real. And, the leadership, again, has had, um, you know, Democrats in, in office. Of course, the Snyder is the criminal on, under his watch, the Republican. But again, you got two, you know, uh, Democratic senators. What is Stebano and, and uh, Gary, uh, whatever his last Steve, name is, is are, are they Stephen? Peters, what are, what are they doing? It's like nobody cares. Even the Congressional Black Caucus, right? You got they're black not, uh, congressmen and women. They're not doing a damn thing either. They are not. I have been trying to contact the Congressional Black Caucus. I've been sending them communications. I called Nancy Pelosi today. I have, well, everybody's wondering where our two lily white senators are. Now, our uh, U.S. Rep. Dan Kildee, he has been in conversation, and he's looking around. The only help we have had. I've been contacting the Oversight Committee, the House Oversight and Reform Committee. Crickets. I'm not hearing a doggone thing. One of the things uh, Attorney Brenda Williams, located here in Flint, said today, 
that typically in these uh, class action lawsuits, you're supposed to get your paperwork 60 to 30 days before the deadline. There are still individuals in Flint who have not received their packet in the mail. But they're supposed to make a decision by March 29th. And we are also hoping that we get enough folks objecting. The judge said she will listen to the objections. And we're hoping to have four to five days worth of objections. There are so many levels to object to this proposed settlement. It's ridiculous. Due to the pandemic alone, the deadline should be moved back. People have not been able to get the psychological testing for their children during this pandemic. People have not been able to get their bone-led testing if they wanted it because of the pandemic. We know that the last president of the United States slowed our mail down to a trickle. That's another reason to object. If you get your packet tomorrow and you want to reject or opt out of this settlement, your paperwork has to be in Texas by postmark by the 29th. Right now, I don't know if that's even physically possible and and i guess it's it's i don't know we're, we're not attorneys dr bell but you're close to it you're there is it even legal if if the shutdown has been because of covid i mean they they've made exceptions of, for everything because of covid why not make an exception why can't the judge make an exception and, and, and push it back especially if it's got to be postmarked and go all the way to, to, to Texas. I mean, it should be some somebody's got to be, be before the judge to make that kind of, you know, case. It doesn't make any sense to try to keep this deadline if COVID and, and the idiot who was running the, the, the country, you know, recently, um, you know, shut down the mail or slowed the mail, then it should be a, a, a legal and a, an arguable petition. And and what is the Biden administration saying about this? Have, have they even said anything? We have not directly heard from that administration, but again, I have been reaching out as well as others, like our city councilman, Eric Mays. But crickets. Now, now I don't know if I shared this with you, the current mayor, Sheldon Neely, had been telling people to take this settlement because we still had the EPA as well as two other architectural firms to sue. Well, we found out a couple weeks ago that to sue the EPA, you had to sign up in 2015. Wow, the, the fix is definitely in. The fix is in Without with this. I mean, it, it's it smells so bad. Um, 
And people are suffering and can lose their life. This is why, um, as we talk about uh, these these things, that all the suffering with COVID and everything else is is enormously higher in rates when it comes to black folks. And now you have a water crisis that's been going on through two administrations, both at the president level and the governorships and and local levels. Uh, They even ran your mayor out of town who was trying to do the right thing, former mayor. Um, And nobody seems to care. And it's got to be frustrating. Are the people on the ground, Doc, final question for you, you know, how are they feeling? What what are they really thinking? Because it almost seems like that you need to opt out of this thing. Um, but who can afford a high-priced attorney to fight this thing? And, and, again, from the other side, it's the old adage. Just keep them in court and litigation until they die. Let them die off. Then that's less money we got to pay out, if any money we have to pay out. L.A. is very frustrating, the situation itself, and then you add COVID to the mix. The Flint residents' immune system have been dearly compromised by the lead poisoning, and then you bring about a pandemic. So it's like we were set up and then beat up. The lawyers are supposed to go through extraordinary measures to get the word out to the people. They have been holding Zoom meetings for three weeks, and that's it. They told the judge they couldn't do much more than that as far as informing the people. So another company has been hired to send out the 70-page packet that are not arriving in time. And on top of all of that stress, I I have to say this. Doc, I have to say this too. Go ahead. You always use the term genocide. That's exactly what it is. And I use that term because this is this is deliberate. There's no way about it. They covered it up. Now they just want people to just die. Let's just rig it. Judge involved, attorneys involved, and let's just you know let's just hope these people just die off, um, you know, and we we keep it moving. And I have to say this too about the the system. I never I stopped calling it criminal justice. Um, because there's no justice for folks who look like us, number one. Number two, and I don't always do this, but having gone through family court, it, it don't even, sometimes, it, I, and I, I can't even tell you the money I dropped, but it, it, it's not even about the money. It, it's about if you black, you just, it, it ain't going to happen. I mean, you might be fortunate enough uh, to have enough fame, and even more money or whatever to get through some things. But it's just, it is, you guys are set up for failure and death. And 
Meanwhile, Governor Snyder is sitting fat. He's going to write some books and go on tours. He'll be on Fox or whatever because he's a Republican and, and live his life. And all his underlings and everybody else, even if someone, if if, if, if any, do some time, then then it'll be some slap on the wrist. I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at Cuomo. You know, if it walks like a duck and acts like a duck, it's not a dog. And yeah, you go through the process, but his white privilege says, I'm not going anywhere. I, yeah, I harassed these women. I made sexual advances, but I'm Andrew Cuomo. I'm not going anywhere. Governor Snyder is walking. And the frustration, I can't even imagine the frustration. And and I'm fearful, again, Doc, Flint is just the poster child for so many um, black communities where they just don't give a shit. They just, the water's bad, so what? They're they going to kill themselves anyway. You know, they, whatever. Just let, they'll just die off anyway. They, they should kill each other. Just the water's so bad, so what? Just keep it moving. And that's, that's the, the feeling you get in the urban air, areas. And when people talk about, you know, uh, climate control and climate change and, and the environment, that's an environmental uh, racism right there where you won't get this shit going on in the suburbs where all the, most of the white folks are. But, you know, it's nigger town. So just water just could be bad and we just keep it moving. They're going to kill each other anyway. Well, excuse my language. Snyder's chief of the Health and Human Services Department actually said they're going to die from something anyway. Right. No big deal. You know, it's it and 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 fiction is reality. I remember watching The Godfather and they had a little meeting and they talked they the, the fathers were talking about the godfathers were talking about you know should they sell drugs or not yeah put it in Harlem that with the darkies they kill each other anyway and that's a real life thing like that was in a movie but it's really real that's how they feel like they don't want to care about us and then on top of it doc I you know outside of the petition what can you do I mean if if your own so-called attorneys who's supposed to represent you want you to settle so they can get paid, get their yachts and, and planes and everything else, the liars, right, then what do you do? You just take it up to you-know-what and just take what you get and keep it moving? I mean, that, that's the frustration that a lot of people and, – and it's also designed, Doc, for people to just say, you know what, I ain't even bother with it. I'm just going to leave it alone. Just like when they make it hard to vote. Man, I my vote ain't gonna count. I can't vote anyway. You know, whatever. I'm not gonna worry about it. the frustration. Turns into this sense of, uh, you know, loss. Like it, it, nothing's gonna change. It's not gonna help me. It's not gonna help my family. So I'm just gonna leave it alone. You're so right. And I am reminded of the scenes in Root where they chopped Kunta Kinte's foot off to get him to finally say Toby is my name. But we're going down fighting L.A. 
we have to. Thank you. We want to thank you for all of the time and attention that you have given us through these seven years. It's much appreciated. And I urge your listeners to go sign that petition. It takes two minutes or so. Moreforflint.com. And just to focus, this is more money for the citizens of Flint, not more money for the government of Flint. We're pushing that right. more of that settlement money goes to the citizens, those folks who have been harmed, hurt. And this is no it. different to any, this is no different than any other cover up uh, the, the, whether it be the Tuskegee experiment or Flint. There's a cover up and then they try to run and hide like cockroaches and and then they they protect it. The, you know, the white privilege kicks in. Morphaflint.com, morphaflint.com. Doc, before you go real quick, if you can uh just kind of update on the poor people's campaign. I know uh we have uh rallies and in our state capitol here in North Carolina, from the North Carolina Chapel, the uh, Poor People's Campaign. But but talk about the updates again. Once again, this country, right? They don't want to. They don't want to give fifteen bucks an hour, fifteen uh, bucks an hour minimum wage. Politicians won't live off that, just like they won't live off bad insurance. But it's okay for to offer that fifteen bucks. People don't understand to do the math. Fifteen bucks an hour for a year is not a lot of money. I know people that make that, right? And and I know some people, personal folks, doc, that say, listen, that yeah, I can pay all my bills, but I gotta go to the soup kitchen to eat sometimes. And I know a single brother that does that because he can cover his bills, but he ain't got enough food. Can't get. He makes too much money, if you will, quote unquote, to to get assistance so he just got to do what he got to do or work two or three jobs and it's and and they're fighting they're letting it go joe biden and 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 vice president harris and and others you're letting this 15 dollars an hour which is not a lot of money go to the wayside i understand covid and and all of that we've all have been affected by covid god bless those who've lost but this is still important. People still got to live after COVID, right? So yes. why is that such a big deal, Dr. Bell? Well, L.A., we broke it down, the salary of our elected officials in Washington. We break down their yearly salary, and they make $600 an hour. There are families all across this country who have a rude awakening. The Poor People's Campaign, currently we are in the Moral Monday phase. Today's focus was going to state houses, presenting our 14-point policy plan to the legislators and the governors. We had someone in almost every state make that presentation at their state houses. And they reported today at 3 o'clock back to the group. You can join the Moral Monday calls. They are Zoom calls or video 
by simply going to the poorpeoplescampaign.org and you can watch the meetings live right there on your phone, your tablet, or whatever device you have. We also focused on the voter rights attacks. I'm not sure of what next Monday's focus will be, but it's the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival. 3 to about 4.15, those are the meeting times. 3 o'clock each and every Monday. Join us. Also on the Poor People's Campaign website, you can find your local organization, poorpeoplescampaign.org. Poorpeoplescampaign.org. And uh, again, more directly to Flint, moreforflint.com, moreforflint.com. Again, folks, we we have to be our brother's keepers. And if, if it's happening in Flint, you rest assured. It's happening other places. And we need to be conscious of that. And and, and Doc, I love you. I, I really appreciate what you're doing um, in Flint for so many people. And and just keeping it the faith, man. Uh, just keeping the faith. Because that's really what it's going to come down. A lot of prayer, a lot of faith, and a lot of activism. And you're doing that. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing this info. We'll make sure we continue to share this info uh, on our website and on the show, of course. Well, thank you, L.A., for everything. Thank you, Doc. I appreciate you, man. Love you, man. Love you, too. Thanks, Doc. Dr. Lee Bell, he's a motivational speaker, community activist, and uh, media personality in Flint, Michigan, the Flint Water Genocide. That's taking place there. Lead in the water. There are kids in that city. A, a city that's already economically challenged. Uh, that are sick with legionnaires. And some they've already had fatalities. And again, no one seems to care with a few exceptions outside of Flint. Other than those who are going through. We need to step up. We sign petitions we see on Facebook all the time for silly, frivolous stuff. How about signing a petition for this? More Flint, moreforflint.com, moreforflint.com, and of course, Poor People's Campaign, uh, poorpeoplescampaign.org. We take a break, come back, more of the Bachelor News Radio Show. If you miss any part of our broadcast, you can go to the thebastardnewsradionetwork.com, thebastardnewsradionetwork.com. More to come. Stay here.
Cause I let my 
able to write a check. I mean, even if you don't write checks, to learn how to to write, signature, things of that nature, the basic things. You know, kids don't even know their home keys. Remember when we were kids, we had the type, mm-hmm. we knew the home key and all that. But right now mm-hmm. in this, this COVID-19, and we're short on time, so I want you to really get into it. What are the pluses and minuses on online schooling? I, in the beginning, my kids were like, you know what? Yeah, this is cool. We get to do it. But now they're getting bored and they want to be around their friends. So socially is different, but from an education learning standpoint, especially with black and brown uh, kids who are uh, not only uh, disadvantaged in some cases in neighborhoods, the books and all of those things, what's the pluses and minuses of learning online? Well, I'm going to go with more of the, well, I, it ain't to me the pluses to me. Uh, um, I think it's more of the pluses that there's something happening as opposed to just being shut down and there's nothing happening at all. So at least there's something tangible that's being used. You know what I mean? Um, can it work? Yeah, I mean, it can. But I, but like you just mentioned, that social, uh, uh, if it, the, the social part of it is part of the the the, the, uh, the dynamic of being able to know how to get along with, with your teammates. Uh, um, uh, I call them teammates, with classmates, uh, knowing how to function, as opposed to everything being robotic, pressing a button. And and that's the one thing I fear. L.A. is that with my with my book, I have a curriculum, and my curriculum is a full charge curriculum where there's not a writing involved, and that's by design because you know studies show that. Your memory is enhanced by writing things down. Also, you use a certain part of the brain when you're writing, as opposed to just touching a button. A button. You use a certain part of the brain when you're reading, as opposed to just things being sent to you digitally. And I think that's the where that's where that we're going to have a problem. Uh, again, the plus is that we're doing something, you know, so better nothing. But the, the the minuses are a lot. It's it's a, and like you said, the, the your, your your young men are getting bored. Um, it, it's a lot. And then what happens is the kids are so inundated with these video games. You know, everything is digitized. You know what I mean? So they could be playing Fortnite for four or five hours. Now all of a sudden you're slowing the pace. Now you're trying to tell them to teach. Now you're trying to tell them to learn that way. It's a lot. So so they have to reprogram themselves on even how to learn. As opposed to being away from the computer, you know, instead of being away from the computer and being instructed by a teacher or some sort in the front, in front of them, where she's able to, he or she's able to do things live, you know, and in person, so to speak, and sort of uh, have the um, option of learning things on the fly as well, doing things on the fly. You really can't do things too much like that when you're online. You have to, you know, you have to kind of robot yourself a little bit as well. So, but again, pluses is that they're doing something, minuses are a lot. And, and what I fear is that our children won't get the benefit of really being promoted in a proper manner, meaning earning the promotion. Because right now, you really can't fail a kid. I mean, you can't. I mean, how can you? You know, I mean, how do you fail a kid that that uh, parents may be suffering from COVID. And, you know what I mean, they and, them, themselves might have had it. And who, that's that's a really uh, great point because uh, if you have a marginal kid, a kid that's been struggling, um, it, it, it's probably not doing a great service for that child if you pass them because of the situation and the climate we are in. And even before uh-huh. this, speak to, because I think we had this conversation before about uh, using... You know, I, I'm, I have a real issue with kids using calculators for math. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And not Mm -hmm. counting, not writing things out like you said. I tell my kids all the time, write it Mm -hmm. down, take notes. They can go into my studio, my my, my office, and see nothing but notes. And I try to tell them, not only Mm -hmm. take good notes, but make sure you have organized notes. So when you come back to it, Mm -hmm. you know it is. You put your name, date, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and some, mm-hmm. I, I see some of the kids that don't do that, but I get, I have a real issue when they use sort of these electronic things or things mm-hmm. that take away from counting and reading and all of these things, mm-hmm. audio and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Mm-hmm. Well, well I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you an analogy because I, I know you'll, you'll catch it. Well, to, I'm going to give you a saying. I'm going to give you an analogy. You know that that was saying, if you don't use it, you lose it, right? So we, so we understand that part. But now, picture a person. That's a couch potato, straight up couch potato, remote in his hand, and beer in the other hand, eating chips, doing this for years, watching TV, you know, the shape got different, what have you. Then you say, okay, I want you to get in shape, the best shape of your life within three weeks. But tonight we're going to start off with you running five miles. That person wouldn't. That person wouldn't walk good four blocks. I mean, five blocks really good without him like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. And that's the same thing that's happening with our babies' brains because they're not using that part of the brain like you just mentioned. The pre- all you're doing is pressing the button. You're not trying to figure things out in your head. You know what I mean? So you're not you're not exercising that part of the brain. And we know the brain is an organ, but it acts as a muscle. You might as well call it a muscle because it acts like a muscle. But if you don't use certain things to critically think, um, conceptualize things, figure things out in your head, ponder over stuff, if you don't use that kind of that part of the brain, when it's time to use it, you, please I mean, think about how many people. I guarantee you, at your audience, if you ask them, if you have read a book, in the, if you have, if you ask them if they have read a book or a long article in a long time, and they if they're gonna do it before they go to sleep, and say read the article, I guarantee you they fall asleep before they do it. Because that brain ain't ain't being used, so now you're gonna tell me read all this, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? At, within a certain period of time, that brain is over, is, is, it gets overloaded, and then all of a sudden it starts to shut down because you have to build it, you have to build it back up. And so this is what's happening in LA with too many with too many of our children because they're so used to pressing buttons, pressing buttons, pressing buttons from video games to learning that when you tell them to do certain things, either they can't do it, they don't want to do it, or they don't know how to do it. So guess what? It's not done. And my fear, I mean, I'm saying this, I'm saying this, my, my, my son is 29 years old, so I'm not, I'm, I'm not a concerned parent for him, but I'm a concerned parent for others. Because as an educator, every child that comes into your classroom or any class, any, any, any of me, when I go to schools, those children become my children. And I say it openly. I'm like, for, for, the, for the time being I'm here, you belong to me. That's right. And I treat them as they're my children. And so my fear is that because they took penmanship out of schools, you know, so you write, these kids don't know how to write cursively, nor can they read it. So, so I'll, I'll use the word script. They, not, not only can they not read the script, they can't, I mean, they can't write it. So they can't read it. So now you're telling the 18-year-old, 19-year-old, go register to do this, sign this application, go do this, and they say sign your name, he's writing in print. He's or she writing in print. And to believe it or not, the way they write, they're not even writing online. I mean, in other words, you, you tell the kid to write in print on the line, they're writing in between the line. I mean, they're, writing, I mean, they, they're putting their name, like, uh, they're writing across the line. 
because they don't have a concept of writing, bro. That is, like, scary. Yeah. And that's happening worse for our black and brown babies than it is for other ch- other children because other children, they, they, the ones that have the means to it, they're being taught how to write and script. Sure. So now, so education system, is seen, they seem to have put that on the parents, which is not fair. Not, no, 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 when I say fair, because that's a basic requirement, writing. You know what I mean? That, that, should, that should be something that should be uh, uh, cataloged in schools on, 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 and, and, and should be progressed in schools because L.A., that's how we learn. You know what I mean? Our time tables, we did that in school. Right. Our, our writing, our penmanship, you know, writing between the lines, our tracing. Of le- you know what I mean? We did that, we did that in school because although, it was part of our curriculum. Although I write like a doctor without the money, but, I mean, sign like and, and a no, doctor. Hey, 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 me too. <laughs> and, and here's the funny thing. Me too, and I'm ambidextrous with it. I can write with both hands, left hand, right hand. I can do both, and I can write equally sloppy. So we're in the same boat. Yeah. I get that. But at the end of the day, my friend, we can read that. We, well, and we can read some lots of sla- and we can read some lots of sloppy handwriting too because right. we're, we're accustomed to doing it. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, but, but again, our babies aren't getting that privilege, and and with that, they're gonna lose so much in this fake, illusion-filled digital-based world right. because it's, it's really an illusion. Yeah. It's an illusion, bro. It's yeah. an illusion. Talk these these the, smartphones have made made us dumb. Talking with uh, Gerald Hoover, best-selling author of My Friend, My Hero, a book targeting young black and brown boys ages twelve up and up here on the Bachelor News Radio Show, Bachelor News Radio Network, and WCOM, Chapel Hill, and Carborough, uh, uh, North Carolina. And we'll get to the, the book series and info there. Um, really sort of the final uh, phase, and I know you said there's the positives because they're doing something. But again, um, the concern I have is that even before the virus, even before they had to go online, and some are going back to school in certain places, and I mean... You can get into if it's safe or not. That's a whole different discussion for another day. Um, but the fact is that, you know, it, kids, even before the virus, and I, and I have to, again, I challenge mine all the time, um, it, it, They work is not, it, I wouldn't say it was necessarily fun for us, but, mm-hmm. you know, we knew we had to do that, and we knew at the end of the day it was going to make us better. Even sometimes we mm-hmm. didn't feel like going to school. I tried to play hooky. My mother found out all the time, but I had to do what I had mm-hmm. to do. And it didn't seem mm-hmm. as forced on us as it is with kids. Kids like, okay, if you, you do this, you can play this, or you can go outside. And they push and they zooming through it. But at the same time, you want to tell them, no, take your time. Because a lot of teachers say, take your time. Read the, read the questions, you know, when you're taking the test. And it seems like the ki- these kids, our kids, are trying to zoom through a lot of the the work, and they don't seem to get it. It's more robotic than mm-hmm. consumption and understanding and comprehending it. You 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 buy mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and that, that's the fear. And, 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 and matter of fact, you said it eloquently, but you basically repeated what I was saying and what I said. When these when our babies get a certain age, they're not going to be able to function other than doing what they've known. It's almost like putting a you know you know they put the uh, blinds on horses. Run that straight, run a straight line. They won't know how to do anything else. But oh, it's not, it's not set in stone this way. They won't be able to do it. And that's where uh, too many of our child, children are going to fail. That's where they're going to fail because they won't have options on how to do things any other way. And that's going, that, and that's a criminal act if you ask me. It's a criminal act. It's written because, when I, and, and that's why I said fake, illusional, filled world. Because you say, oh no, he got a so and so on his test. But yeah, he was pressing a button. 
that you've helped them press because you're trying to get that funding because the state mandated so-and-so and so-and-so, which the state has no, they have no clue what's going on on the ground. They're a bunch of bean counters and doing whatever they're doing. They have no clue or concept of what is done on the educational level. None. Because if they did, or if their children was in the belly of the beast, they wouldn't have that kind of, they wouldn't have that kind of outlook. And just to interrupt, too, if, they, if our kids aren't learning, again, post, uh, pre and post COVID-19, they're ready to, mm-hmm. put them, ready to put them on meds, you know, Ritalin and whatever. Oh, my it, it's Whatever. Man. Um, and, and that's and, an and, issue. And, 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 bro, and, and L.A., I was, believe it or not, pre-COVID, and, and matter of fact, you, we've had the discussion about my book before COVID. Pre-COVID, well, I started my curriculum two years ago. I mean, like getting it in stone. So, I, I, so I'm, I'm well ahead of the COVID part. I was yelling and screaming about in 25 years, if we're not careful, that we're going to have an educational apocalypse. I was saying this for about two years now. Now it's probably going to be closer than that because we're going to lose two and a half years. Okay, this way. For every child I was already behind, tack on two more years. They don't go. They're not going to fail a kid. They're going to promote them socially. But think about the average 10th grader that's ready for college, getting ready for college in two years. They're going to be functioning on a six-way reading level or six-way six-way work level. So, so that so, means when they graduate high school and, and graduate to go to college, they're going to they're going to it's going to be a, very, a real challenge. So real real quick because we're running out of time, um, what would be some of the solutions you have? You know, right now with COVID and, and moving forward, and please do uh, let people know how they can get my friend, my hero, talk about the book and, and where they can find it. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll do that first because it's fresh in my head. Uh, my, my website is called The Hero Book Series. Right? TheHeroBookSeries.com. Um, for those that are educators or they want to uh, do some homeschool and help, help them enhance, you can order my book, and I will even let you know how to get the curriculum to go with it. Now, the curriculum uh, it has a study, a study guide, which you have to write, read, uh, do some uh, uh, research and learn how to do words, how to put words together, context clues. I mean, it's, it's, it was the same thing would happen in the school. Also have a teacher's edition to where you have the answers. So for you parents that have young children, okay, Johnny, do this, do this, do this. You as a parent, whether you've been to school lately or not, it's okay. You have the teacher's guide. You have the answers. The sentences, you have the answers. The, the, the multiple choice stuff, you have, the, you have all the answers. I even have a pretest. So you can say, here, Johnny, take this and let me see how you can do with that. Then I have what's called a unit assessment. And I have answers for that as well. So you have a student success guide, you have a teacher's edition, and you have a unit assessment. So you have all those and you're good. What I would suggest, put a physical book in your child's hand. E-learning is fine. I, my book is on tape now. It's coming out in about a month. I even have ebooks, which okay, I, I'm not really for them, but I know people. I don't want to read it like that. That's fine. But put a physical book in your hand. The five senses that we're blessed with are given to us for a reason. Putting a physical book in your hand speaks volumes to the mental, soul, mind, and body. There's a lot of and go on YouTube and research, touch on how the effects are of touching a book. Google that. Touch it. Touch in a book. How wow. powerful! You start that. Your knowledge starts to your your knowledge starts. La with just t- 
touching the book. It's powerful. I, I, I just saw that. I just saw something like that the other day. And it's funny because I've been thinking about it. Because you know, you know, I give you an example. Let me let me say something really quick. I'm going to show you on time. In the in the in the Bible, I'm, I'm sorry. In, in church, people have told me. I'm, I remember old ministers would tell me. I would say, well, Elder so and so, what do I learn? What do I read in the Bible? What should, what should I do? They, they, you know, they would tell me. Say a prayer. Put your hand on top of the Bible and just open it. Meaning, I heard that meaning, before. Find it, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying, Ellie, Ellie? You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. There was something powerful about putting your mind right with it, coming becoming one with the story that you're about to read, and then opening the book deep with that's deep. And, and so we keep giving these books, these, 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 these digital books and everything. You ain't helping these kids. Put a book in your hand. Put a physical book. The five senses are, are given to us for a reason. That's and if right. you dummy us out with that, we ain't going to have them, buddy. We're gonna be ro- people are going to be robots. That's right. It's not going to work for us. Yeah. It's not going to work for us, bro. And the learning is, is robotic at this point because of that. Come on, man. Yeah, you're right. Come you're on, absolutely man. Come right. on, man. Yeah. Come well, on, we, well, we're gonna, we can't afford that, bro. We can't. We can't. And you talk about apocalypse. Oh, my God. You, you, <sighs> Come you, on, being, you, you get your Negro Domus points because you have been talking about this for quite some time. So uh, I know that for a fact. Hoove, I love you, man. Appreciate you. Be safe. Uh, I'll talk too, with you very, very soon. We'll get you on next week and talk some you, more about this, okay? My pleasure, my brother. Take Be care. safe, man. All right, man. Hey, this is Craig Bachelor Jr. And he's Kevin Bachelor. And this is Smooth Smooth Saint. And you're listening to The Bachelor News Radio Show. On the Bachelor News Radio Network. Written all over your face. Yo, Larry, man, you think you can sing this song today? You got a horse to sing, man. Buddy? No, man, Melvin? I'm too hot for me, man. Well, look.
you want real discussions on politics, social issues, racial issues, and other topics, then tune into the Bachelor News Radio Show. Listen live every Monday and Thursday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern at blogtalkradio.com. And if you miss the show, you can listen every Monday through Saturday at 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern and every Sunday at 5 a.m. and 3 p.m. at thebachelornews.airtime.pro. Listen and be informed. Welcome back to the show, the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network and uh, our good friends at WCOM, of course, WCOM, LP, Chapel Hill, and Carborough. If you miss any part of our broadcast, you go to our website, uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm going to bring in my guest. He is the men's basketball coach at St. Augustine College. Of course, they're not flying at this point. The Falcons, they're uh, grounded due to, unfortunately, COVID-19. Uh, he is Marcus Johnson. And Coach Johnson, it's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Uh, thank you, uh, L.A., for having me on. I really appreciate this. I really enjoy it. Hey, coach, where were you when you got the word well, let's backtrack. When you found out how bad COVID was going to be and maybe started hearing some rumors about cancellations and then they just canceled it all. I know when I I got to, I just finished covering the CIAA. It was a week after the MEAC was coming up. I went all the way to uh, Norfolk, got to the arena, and they canceled it. Everything. NCAA <laughs> shut everything down. Needless to say, I was not a happy camper. But where were you when everything started taking place? Uh, actually, I was out recruiting uh, when I got the the word as far as when things uh, was going to shut down um, last year, and it was just it was just amazing just watching how things. It was just a domino effect on the way the sports world was just uh, just got shut down. So I was out recruiting, and then next thing I know, the the next day, the event was shut down. So <laughs> I had to stay around for a day, you know, and doing, thinking I was going to see some basketball, but basketball was canceled. So I ended up coming back home, and you know, and, and then, you know, we saw how everything was then. It had to be, I mean, a, a stunner to say the least. Um, and, and let me just ask this uh, question personally. Um, I, I won't get into. You know the commissioner and the, the you know the uh, the conference did the the right thing, but what was your first reaction when it happened? Like, oh, you know, what are we gonna do? Or, um, you know, based on what we knew at the time, um, this was a smart decision. What was what was your first thoughts? Uh, my first thoughts were the the uh, the well being of the players um, because. Uh, mentally, I knew they were already fragile from not having a traditional preseason. Um, so that was my immediate thought was the players, how can I get them under control mentally to understand that, you know, this is probably for the best interest, uh, for the welfare, you know, healthy for our players. Uh, just to get them on the, on the same page and understand that, you know, the season, even though we're not having a season this year, you know, make sure you can come back and we can get things going and we are going to do some type of, you know, workouts in the spring. But, you know, mainly just talking with them to let them understand that, you know, this is just, I know it's a bump in the road now. It seems like a mountain, but it's just a small piece of life that we have to, what we call adjust and adapt. Not only pivot, but we have to adjust and adapt. This is just one of the things that we just had to do as far as adapting. If you're just joining us, of course, we're talking with Marcus Johnson. He is the 
uh, men's basketball coach at uh, uh, St. Augustine's uh, University Falcons, um, and the whole entire CIAA uh, conference, and of course uh, uh, others, have canceled all uh, basketball of this season. And, and, and coach, I, I'm glad you said that um, because I've had I won't get into uh, names and universities and things, but I have I've had some people on. And I've read and uh, know of some others who decided that they were going to play. And unfortunately, it doesn't make a difference in terms of, you know, COVID seasonal color. Um, but I think it's it's could be potentially dangerous if you're uh, HBCU and you put these kids out there and they're on campus and everything else. And God forbid something happens, then then it's really a mess. That, that is that is true. Um, but but one thing I've been talking with other coaches and you know just looking at the the situation. The only way to really not contract it or stop it is you have to stay in your, your house and go from your living room to your bedroom to the bathroom <laughs> right. to the kitchen. <laughs> you know, so you know, every, every, anytime you leave the house, there there is a risk of you possibly getting exposed. Uh, but I think I commend my my guys that I think they. They did a good job of handling uh, the safety measures that we put in place for them um, at the time, and we were able to get some work in, some practices in. Um, but you know, unfortunately, you know the way things were as far as with the conference, as far as with the school situation, um, I think it was just too much to bear and too much uh, risk uh, that they didn't want to, you know, really put us out there like that. If you're joining us, we're talking with uh, Marcus Johnson. Uh, uh, six seasons, I believe, under his belt at uh, St. Augustine College and um, I mean University, and um, known for great recruiting, and, and certainly known for guys who can light it up. Uh, certainly, uh, if you look at um, the three-point shooters and Tyree Gathright and, and guys like that, um, it, you know, one of the things too, I talk with other uh, coaches we've had on. We have Robert Jones. I'm sure you know him, Norfolk State. Some others on. And it was really hard, and I, I know it has to be. If you had seniors that didn't get, not only didn't get a chance to finish their senior year, but in, in, the, in the best, I'm sorry, the best basketball, men and women's basketball tournament on the planet, and that's the CIAA tournament. They didn't get to do that. Did you have um, seniors, a, a bunch of them, uh, not knowing your complete roster, um, and if so, how did they handle it? How did you handle it with them? Um, well, the one way I handled it is I, do, I always work with them on the middle side of the game and not only just the athleticism. So we, we, I sat them down and we talked about it because, you know, the one thing I will commend the NCAA on is that they did allow players the opportunity to come back next year. So they all see that as a good opportunity as far as getting the year older, mature, not only in the classroom, I mean, not only in the weight room and in the, in the, on the court, but also in the classroom, and being able to, you know, concentrate on your schoolwork and, and just work on your uh, game and your skills to try to get better for next year. And that's the main thing I keep trying to tell them is that this, this year is going to pass by, and we're going to get to next year. We just have to be ready when that year comes, and don't waste this time, you know, while in despair because it is, at the end of the day, nobody really gives cares about your feelings. So you got to, you know, 
put your bootstraps on and let's get to work and let's, you know, be prepared so when the time comes next year in August, we're ready to go. Yeah, that, amen to that. And, it, you know, no, and, and, you know, even with some, uh, you know, MIAC and, and, and uh, well, the SWAC definitely and some other schools playing, uh, and, and we're talking with the coaches, even the ones that are playing, like, I mean, you don't know if the game's canceled. You can't really practice. Um, it, it's just so many restrictions. If you were playing, how would you handle that? How, how does that even look in the midst of COVID-19? I tell you, like that was that's a that's a tough one to ask because you know with it's, it's hard. It, it would be hard because we have our students on campus, so we're not able to put our players in a so-called bubble. Uh, the main thing that we just kept, uh, you know, pounding in their head was just stay safe, wear your mask, wash your hands, keep your circle tight, um, and and don't try to do anything extra. And that it's a tough thing for a kid to deal with, a young kid, a young a young adult. But at the same time, if we want to get this season moving and with no interruptions, that was, that's what we we're going to have to do. And it was going, it was tough. I mean, we had to deal with it with we were practicing. Um, luckily, a week or two, we were able to be in a you know little bubble. But before that, you know, guys uh, had to just you know really stay in their rooms, go to the gym, stay in your rooms, go to the gym. Um, and and that was uh, and it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment. But I think I think as far as we you know we have to give these kids uh, credit that you know they they were able to adjust. They were able to adapt. Um, and I got to I think that they did a great job of doing that. How has it been for you personally? Um, you know, again, it's some people have had you know um, unfortunately uh, we pray for them that lost people uh, due to this. But how has it been for you personally and your and your family? Uh, it's, it's been an, it's, uh, I keep going back to these words. It's been an adjustment. Um, a lot of people don't realize I had COVID back in July, uh, for about two and a half weeks, which was, uh, it, it was tough. I've had family members that has had it. Um, but one thing I'm able to do is, you know, I have a son that plays high school basketball. Actually, I just left his game, um, to come out here to, to talk with you is that that's what I do a lot now is I spend a lot more time with him, um, because I, you know, normally I'm practicing at this time, but now I'm able to go see him a little more and, and see what he's doing, and also I'm able to get into uh, some high schools and some practices of, of schools where I, you know, typically sometimes it's been tough to to get over. Uh, so that's that's one thing I've been able to do, you know, and just looking at it, I'm trying to turn the negative to a positive and and get out and just uh, see as much basketball as I can um, and put my eyes on kids and. And spend as much time with my son as I can, you know, while he's uh, at his, uh, in his teenage years. Yeah, and you know, being from Nightdale and here, and you know, knowing kids at Central and Shaw, you coach there and stuff. I'm sure mm-hmm. it 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 allows you to be able to have some some connections. And I I'm not going to hold you uh, longer. And I know with with, with my kids, uh, you know, younger than a little bit younger than yours. I mean, it I mean we bonded because of this. So it's, it's you know some, <laughs> it's good. You know, my, my new name is Daddy, though, but, I mean, other than that, <laughs> you know, but other than that. Right. But what about the kids? Um, how how are your players doing? Uh, are they coming to you with concerns or any sicknesses or and or um, uh, are they receiving any sort of uh, counseling to get through this? Because it's a mental thing to be just secluded and indoors all the time. It's got to be stressful. 
It, it definitely is. And, um, and actually, early on in the season, um, back in first semester, back in, I think it was in October, November, I did bring in a psychologist to talk with them. Um, and we were doing that probably once a, uh, once a month. We were bringing this up. And I'm going to get back to that. We haven't done it this uh, semester yet because kids just got back on campus last week. So we're going to do that more to just bring a counselor in to talk with them um, because it is tough. I mean, I, 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 it's, it's, it, has, it, has, it has affected me as well mentally. Uh, so I know it's affected them uh, because, you know, I got told somebody yesterday, I told my class, I said, it's the first time in 38 years I haven't had a bas- I haven't been able to go to a basketball practice and actually participate. So it's an adjustment for me. It's a huge adjustment. So I definitely understand their pain. Um, but they're able to talk, and they know they can come to my office and we talk about it at times. But like I tell them all the time is that, you know, the Lord will not give them anything, put anything on them that they can't bear. Uh, so, therefore, this too shall pass, and we're going to get through this. And, and we're going to get through this together. And, you know, when we do get through this, we're going to, you know, we're going to be even better for this. Yeah, and, you know, the Lord doesn't make any mistakes, so you're right. You can come out on the other side better. Final question for you. Um, I know you said you're probably going to do some stuff in the spring. Is there a solid game plan, or, again, with COVID, you just don't know at this point? You you have sort of a little bit direction uh, moving forward? Yes, our, our game plan right now is to really treat it just like, our, uh, like a regular postseason. Um, so uh, we're going to get in the weight room. We're going to get some skill development. In and we're going to go for about six to eight weeks, um, and, and we're going to hit it hard to 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 develop and to get better. And like I got to we're not going to waste this these months um, and wallow in despair because we're not playing. We're going to get better, and and so we can come back next year even stronger, so we can able to compete for a championship. He's had success at uh, St. Augustine University in six years, of course, uh, uh, coached in uh, the CBL and. And done well there. Marcus Johnson, I appreciate you, mm-hmm. sir. You be well. Be safe. God bless you and your family. We'll talk with you soon, sir. Same to you, L.A., and I appreciate it. Thank you.
City part of our broadcast. Go to our website. The rebroadcast is there at the Bachelor News, Bachelor with a T, the Bachelor News uh, Radio Network dot com. I'm LA Bachelor, uh, bringing in my longtime friend and uh, co-host. He is the editor in chief of Black Athlete Sports Newsroom, BASN. He is Tony T. Mac McLean and T. What's going on, man? How are you? Good, good. Um, I was going to play a little Master P because uh, it's relative to the story I was going to uh, uh, talk about. And, of course, you 
you know, him being a rapper and, and uh, you know, being in the game and getting out of the game and staying in the game. Uh, you know, if, for, for, for people that did not know his aspirations um, in terms of business, he wanted to own, like a lot of brothers, an NBA team. And you could say Michael Jordan sort of, right, um, as an NBA an, an owner with with some asterisk with that. But he wanted to own an NBA team. Now he switched to wanting to own and start um, an HBCU. And I was reading the article. He said, quote, this message is all about educating our people. Uh, he said, anybody that listens to this and has a business, I want y'all, he said, to join this movement with me. We need to make sure our kids get educated the way other uh, the other cultures are educated, end quote. Now, a twofold question for you. First, is is this something that is realistic, obtainable, number one, in your opinion? And then number two, people are criticizing him as a money grab and, and no all surprise. these different things. But Right, right, no surprise. But even if... You know, I know there's some scripture in the word that says, you know, even if uh, people are preaching out of greed and selfishness, the word is still being preached, right? So if he's doing this and to, to, to make a little money on the side, but he is actually legitimately trying to help our people get educated, what is the problem? Uh, more power to him. Uh, I, I hope he I, – I think the, the you know, first thing I would tell him is know what you're getting into because uh, – <laughs> you got some uh needless to say there are a lot of um what's the word I want to use here without being um slanderous um a lot of uh characters that are involved in uh HBCUs they're very protective of things and uh but hey more power to them I mean look anything Anything that's going to push the culture, we should be applauded for. But unfortunately, we have a lot of people that look us um, don't uh, actually think like us and actually um, literally and figuratively look um, literally and figuratively look to um, go after people that try to, um, you know, do things moving forward. It's, it's 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 one of the things that has hurt us as a people, and um, I mean, hey, more power to him. I hey, as long as he's not making, I uh, got the hookup uh, part two. I'm good. <laughs> right, I remember that. That was not the greatest movie ever made, uh, but certainly to your point, it, and it's sad to your point, Tony, because you already got the other side that don't want this to happen. They don't want to educate us anyway. Right. Um, uh, so then you got, like you said, people that look like us. And, you know, we saw the NBA All-Star uh, uh, did, the, the NBA did at All-Star Weekend. You got Michael B. Jordan with his um, his uh, tryouts, if you will, promoting the, 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 the ball players that he had in his mm-hmm. arena. Adam uh, Silver, of course, said, you know, they, they generated three million bucks um, to the uh, – AUC, that's the um, Atlanta University Center, 
um, for schools of HBCUs, including this, and particularly Dr. King School, Morehouse College, Spelman, Clark, all those schools in that area. So I'm wondering, T, if all of this attention is coming. NBA has been kind of doing this for a while, uh, but from the sports world, with all of this attention coming to the HBCUs, it, uh, again, number one, this is it, it's all it's a marketing tool for the NBA to look good, and all these other professional and and and, and other entities that are trying to help HBCUs. Um, so it, certainly, it's a write-off where they work with grants and everything else, especially with the state colleges um, that are HBCUs. But I'm wondering if in the short or long term, if any of this is going to really perpetuate um, the advancement and even the dollars, uh, the endowment dollars, if you will, for the HBCUs, whether it be Michael, Michael B. Jordan or the NBA or Master P or anybody else is trying to do this in the name of educating historically black college and universities or, or, or helping them? Well, big picture, you know, big picture, three million, three million bucks is uh, sort of chicken feed, you know, consider how many HBCUs that are out there. I mean, you know, you don't turn away money, but yeah, I, I, again, I, 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 I try to be, you know, maybe I don't think I'm being Pollyanna when I say this. I think anything, anything that can help uplift and put some bucks um, in those pockets for those kids, it's fine. I mean, everything, you know, every, any, any and every little thing helps. Look, there's always going to be um, negative Nellies out there. There's just, just no way around it. You know, for every person that, you know, like us that looks at this as a positive, there are people within HBCUs and outside the HBCUs, you know, saying, you know, that, you know, that, that, that that's a waste of time and whatever. But, again, I think it speaks more to where we're at as a country than, than, than anything else. But, no, I mean, I think it's fine. I mean, hell, consider, excuse me, consider we're still in this friggin' pandemic, I would think anything uh, would help at all because, let's face it, probably of all the education entities, HBCUs have probably taken one of, if not the biggest hit during this pandemic. We'll come back to that in just a second. If you're joining us, we'll talk with Tony T. Mac McClain here on the Bassett News Radio Show. Um. I had a conversation with someone who, uh, you know, I would say, and I'm being polite, was a little misinformed about race and being a part of all parts of society, especially sports. And this is a sports person, a sports uh, a colleague. And, um, you know, we were talking about the George Floyd situation. Now, the family... He's got $27 million. Good luck to see if they're going to get all that. We've seen what's happening with the Flint lawyers that, that are representing them. They're taking all this money. Good luck to see. I don't know what Ben Crump's going to do and everybody else involved, but good luck to see that. Um, but the, the conversation went to the responsibility, if that, T, and you cross over. So I'm, it, it's not really you, but the responsibility of sports journalists and writers, black 
sports journalists and writers and, and the entities, the people, if they're black owned and operated, they work for those um, to tie in the stories of a George Floyd and relate it to something that's gone on with, with an athlete or with a black athlete and the history of it. Um, I saw something about Jamel Hill and, you know, I've, I've grown, I've learned to grow a little more respect for her the way she kind of left ESPN and, and, and the way they did her, but you know, it, it is what it is, but whether it's Jamel Hill or Tony T. Matt McLean, what's the responsibility of the sports world, the black sports journalists, men and women to make sure that we keep these type of stories and relate them to sports society uh, on a regular basis to do our part, if you will. Um, you know, I, um, I, I think again, just you know, just being, you know, take away the whole journalism thing, just being a black person. You know, I'm, uh, you know, yeah, I'm a journalist, but I'm a black man first, or you know, a black woman first, or you know, with, with the uh, female um, journalist. We're black. We were black before we, you know. Before we were journalists, we were black. Before we became entrepreneurs, we were black. You know, just, you know, catch the theme here. Um, I think that if you sort of want to live in that sort of isolationist whatever, that's a personal choice you take. And... I can go back and forth and be like I can hate on them, but you know what? And and we've talked about this several times. I'm not trying to you know re-educate anybody now anymore. I, you know when I was younger and a little bit more optimistic, I would try to let people understand what's going on. Now, um, now you've got a lot of people that sort of wallow that that sort of wallow in their ignorance. And it's 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 dangerous to me, but to me it's it's just out and out ignorant, for lack of a better word. It's it's the 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 fact that in many ways we're still fighting the same things that our ancestors fought in 2021. If you're still not even have if you don't have cognizant awareness of that. That's on you. That's strictly on you. Now, with us as being journalists, uh, what is um, the word media? I believe it's derived from like information or, or what have you. At the end of the day, our obligation as journalists is to inform the masses. Um, so I think. Again, going back to us as black journalists, it it you know, I, I think it's you know it's just common sense that we would inform our masses. Now, if the masses don't want to listen or the masses are you know indifferent, that's on them. If you put my my thing is, if we put the information out there, and people still quote unquote don't get it, yeah, you know, I mean, you know. Yeah, we have to take some responsibility, I, b- I believe, but 
I think the biggest responsibility that we do is to just put the information out there and allow. I guess. And, and let me finish. And then I, allow. The yeah, good. Because you got the other side of you know the foxes and the and the CNNs and whatever, and they try to tell you know oh, fair and balanced, which 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 we all know to be a a, a, a pile of horse manure. But again, and again, this I, I I'm I'm speaking for myself. Our basic obligation is putting the information out there, and if again. If if you want to take it and go another direction with it, great. If you choose to um, ignore it or sadly mock it, you know that's that's on you. That's on you. And unfortunately, we and see a lot of you know what, what I think what's tough is that while we have more media entities now, it's what they focus on. I mean. And I don't want to drift too far off, but whose business of it is mine that Kurt Franklin and his son argue? Who cares? Who cares? Right. Small potatoes. Small potatoes. Right. So many, so many times we're put, you know, when much more important things are going on, but we'll focus on something so trivial like that. And that's on us. You know, we can blame, you know, we can we can blame um white folks for a lot of stuff, but we got a lot of self-inflicted wounds as well. And you know, if 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 it's for this way. When you you know when you realize what's been going on and what's still going on in regards to the pandemic and all the stuff that entails that, why in God's name should we give a Muslim Shiite about Kurt Franklin and his son? Make me understand. Which that. is why, yeah, and and which is why I bought the, the I guess the rephrase the question is that we all have. Um, in in what we do, we 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 play our different roles. We have our different topics and specifics that we cover. But it comes a time culturally that we have to step outside that box. In other words, if we're covering sports, but then you have all of these type of Breonna Taylor, still no justice, you know, uh, George Floyd, that we have to write and speak and talk about these these social issues outside of our normal realm, if you will. And well, that's my know, concern, you know, that we, we know, it, that as journalists, we get tired of hearing about COVID. We get tired of hearing about George Floyd. We get tired of it, so we want to move on, but we can't move on as a people. As journalists or people, we just can't move on. We have to be able to, it, to discuss this and report on it and write about it. Everything can be done in context. I mean, with the way things look, you 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 still have folks that play into the whole, you know, um, you know, I, I you know, I'm just here to watch the game. I don't want to, um, you know, have to deal with. And, and let's be honest, sports has always been that release from 
you know, from from the outside world. You know, growing up, they used to always call it, you know, the the the, the candy store of 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 you know of of information or what have you. Um, I think, especially now, there's no way to really ignore it. Now, again, you don't. My thing is because look, here's the thing. And again, I always use myself as an example. You know, when I was younger and was first starting to get into sports and, and, and made the decision to go into this field, you know, you hand me a newspaper or whatever, first thing I do is, you know, give me the sports section. And, you know, I, you know that, again, I was younger and whatever. As you get older, you tend to want to see what some of the other things that are going on. Um, I think, again, a lot of that, um, it's 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 a, look. It's a it's an individual. It's a, it's always it's always going to be an individual choice for everybody. Not everybody is going to be, and I hate the phrase, but woke, so to speak. Woke, you know, the whole the whole thing of woke that that that's a two hour conversation in and of itself. Because there's some people who are woke, but don't have any common damn sense. But that's a again that's another conversation for another day. But we, you know, if someone just chooses to be ignorant of his or her surroundings, that's on them. I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, forgive me. I'm not trying to save nobody anymore. You don't want to save yourself, and it's sad because we, as black folks, have always been just by nature nurturers. And I think there's always going to be a nurturing um, gene with us. But there's some folks that just refuse to want to, that don't want to be nurtured and don't want to be informed. And damn it, I'm just not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm just not. You know, some, you know, that, you know, when you hear Cedric Entertainer use that phrase, you know, I'm a grown ass man or a grown ass woman or whatever. Um, there's a responsibility that goes with that as far as I'm concerned. And if you're not, and if you aren't up to the entire responsibility that goes with it, that's on you. Now I'm not perfect. Lord, no, I'm not trying to set myself up as judge, jury, and executioner, but I'd like to think that as I've gotten older, I've tried to get a little bit more mature about things and just be a little bit more aware. I mean, you know, in the in the in in the context of where we're at right now, it's almost impossible to not be aware of stuff. You know, we have the you know between between the twenty four seven news cycle, between the internet, our phones, our whatever. You know, information's there now. A lot of the information is bullshit. I'll I will I will definitely you know on that. But see. Who's this, you know, who are we to blame? And, and, and not so much to blame, but if folks should look to um, focus more on the on the Franklin thing, and I'm not trying to beat up Kurt Franklin. That, that's a whole bunch of, but I'm just using it in the context. If folks choose to focus more on that as opposed to the controversy about the you know, the, the the vaccines or whatever, you know, just to keep it in context, uh, Juno Oriema uh, tested positive today. 
and for, for, for COVID. This was after he took his second shot. So, again, take that for whatever it's worth. To me, that I'd be focusing a little bit more on that than other, than, 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 than other stuff. But see, right. Go ahead. And, and, and I, I get your point. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, we'll move on from this. But, um, you know, there's a lot of quality HBCU um, media outlets out there now, including yours and including ours. Um, and even the circles that we we're we're connected in, um, mm-hmm. but we also you know we, you hear the good news about money on the Benedict and Clark and all these other Morgan State, all these people get you know they they donate to HBCUs trying to to do the right thing or whatever for whatever their agenda is donating and all the good news that comes out is very very important. But I equate it to uh, uh, people who. Um, either uh, uh, follow um, pastors or televangelists or even read the good scriptures, uh, the, the, the love of God, as opposed to reading and, and, and understanding Revelation, which is kind of doom and gloom. So my point is, is that we, it's great to get the good news out about the HBCUs, but we have to make sure that we equate some of the struggles and the things, even the, the, the people within there that are not doing the, the right thing, as you mentioned, presidents and different people that work there, that we have to get the, the, the ugly side out to make people understand that these are the things that are still going on. doesn't mean that they're going to be woke, but as a, as a, uh, a media uh, of people, it's, it's, we should report the good and and stress the understanding of the negative that is going on. Not the negative about how white media does it, where, you know, it's a scandal with a ban or something like that, but the lack of type of negative. We need this, lack of that. This is what's going on. We got we to gotta kind of balance the good <laughs> with yeah, the stuff yeah, that just, we need just, to get done. You just, you just answered your own question. Balance. Balance. That's all. Balance. You know, it, it's it's and and you know we're not going to be, and we're and we're not going to get it right all the time, but it's like you know I I don't know you know if you strive for if you strive for perfection, you can come as humanly close to it as possible, but you're not going to be you know you're not going to hit the nail on the head every time, you know I mean look, I keep getting emails from the Chicago White Sox saying please stop picking us, so you know <laughs> it's it's. And me too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony Russo. I never heard Tony Russo cuss so much. Stop picking us, man. Please. But again, I say it all in jest. But no, it's it's balance. That's the that's the thing. See, we before we have to. It's imperative for us as media outlets to have a balance now. Do I know as much about women's soccer as I do, say, the NBA? No. Do I know as much about uh, about junior hockey than I do Major League Baseball? No. But, I, but see, when people ask me how am I able to retain a lot of stuff, 
I, I, it's very simple. It's something that I've done from young age to now. I read. I read as if my life depended on it because there is information. And, again, we're all pre-Internet uh, folks. So having the Internet, to me, is, is, a, is a wonderful guide. Now, yes, there's, there's positives and negatives to it because the same Internet that we use is used by hate groups and white supremacists and uh, pedophiles and what have you. But you still, you know, you, you still use it. You still, it, it's still a tool, it, you know, good, bad, uh, or indignant. But, yeah, end of the day, it's a balance. It's, it's balance. And we're not going, and again, we're not going to get it right all the time. I'll be the first to tell you. We're not going to get it right. But, again, the, 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 I, had, I had a college professor years ago that just basically said, who, what, where, when, why, how. You do all those things, you'll never get sued, you'll never misquote anybody, and you'll, you'll, you know, it'll, it will turn, you, you will become, you will, it will, it will force you to be balanced in all of that. Unfortunately, in giving out information and then also, you know, leaving out certain things, People don't adhere to the, 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 those things. It's very simple. It's very, very, very simple. Granted, there's more information out there, but it just means you just may have to work a little harder. And if you're not willing to work a little harder, then the, you know you will you, you reap the this way. You reap the benefits when you do a good job, but damn sure reap the benefits as well if you mess it up. That's a great point. Um, you know, staying with uh, uh, HBCUs and this March Madness is taking place. You know, I was reading, to your point, um, about the NCAA and how they're going to make a ton of money even with, I think they're having 25% capacity at the games, the D1 games. Um, and, and that includes you know, the HBCUs that, that, you know, get in the automatic bids. Um, and and uh, as we talked about it, we talked about with Dr. Bell and I talked about with you, you know, we already had, you know, some terrible pre pre uh, conditions before COVID and we're going to have it after COVID. And mm-hmm. I understand these schools have to participate. Certainly. Um, but it, it just speaks to, you know, this hiatus that the NCAA had from last year that they're going to get that money back by any means necessary. And and I know our kids want to play, and they should play, you know, because they, they want to, especially the seniors, they want to go out and try to win, you know, as many games as they can. But, it, it, but the, the capacity part speaks to the greed and speaks to the concern that I'm sure a lot of people have when it comes to the HBCUs that are participating in the NCAA, whether it's D1, D2, um, well, D1 especially, um, yeah, uh, when you I look mean, at this. I, I, yeah, I no no D2. There is no division. I, I, the NCAA, they're basically the only game in town. Cause I don't think there's a Division two tournament this year. 
Right, right. right. But yeah. 25% capacity could be in a small arena um, or a mid-sized arena could be quite a lot of people. And you know that not everybody's going to practice the social distance that they need to um, in these arenas with, with some of our kids and, and some of, with some of our HBCU schools. Look, it's, 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 look, like I said, you know, Geno tested positive for that. You know, he's, it's, 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 just, it's just started. You know, Duke, you know, Duke is Duke, Duke, you know, even though they, even though they somewhat tried to put them in the tournament this year, you know, Duke had to get sit out. You know, the A&T men's team uh, missed out on a possible chance to get in because, um, you know, it's already been, you know, it's already being affected. It's already been, I mean, they basically have four teams on standby for the men's tournament. So basically 68 and four, uh, hate math, 72. It's a 72 team tournament this year. Right. So, yeah, the effects, the effects of, look, end of the day, if the pros can do what they do, the colleges are damn sure, especially on the basketball and football part, they're going to do, they're going to, you know, there are pay, you know, to, to quote the line from the SMU 30 for 30, there are payrolls to be met, boys and girls. And they're damn sure going to try to make sure that them payrolls are met. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I was wondering if you thought about how in, in this bizarre way uh this this new way where we're in with covid that some of the big weights have been taken out you mentioned duke i mean they already had a mediocre season but you know they covid and they they're missing the tournament for the first time in 24 years kentucky got beaten their their tournament michigan state got beaten their tournament some of these other these big time programs have been struggling you look at what georgetown did over the weekend Who's, who's been struggling with Patrick Union. God bless him. I love Patrick Union. I'm happy for him. Um, but it's been sort of that year. It's almost like in, in a weird sense, and folks, don't kill me. I'm just saying it's it's almost like God's way of like kind of balancing it out in terms of some of the schools that have been mired in, in mediocrity or, or been shunned while the big weights are always there, and now the big weights are struggling, if not not in the tournament, Tony, and some of these Illinois and some of these other schools have been taken over. Who's the number one overall seed? Exactly. That answers your question right there. Not now, now, Gonzaga is not, you know, this is not the Gonzaga, you know, Gonzaga is no longer a, you know, um, Mid major, uh, I think. No, no, they 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 play in the they they played for the championship. They have, you know, in the old vernacular of 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 the uh, the mafia, they're 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 a made man. They're a blue blood. They turn themselves into a blue blood, much like what you saw Clemson do on the college football side. But with that being said, there's still there's still enough blue bloods out there so that people can see. Again, you know, we saw the story that moved over the weekend about how, well, there was a possibility that Dukes could have still got in there. I'm still trying to figure out if that's uh, the mouse on a slow day just trying to stir up the pot, or was it were the, was the NCAA really contemplating that? It's probably a little bit of column A, a little bit from column B, because, you know, Louisville, 
who had who went like I think twenty days straight without a game, but they still you know but see they're they're not technically they're not in the tournament they're on they're on hold so to speak, so which is really weird in itself. <laughs> well, well, you know, but see, but see again, but see, the climate, you know, the climate there to see, I you know they basically have had a whole year to prepare for this so to speak so. They probably said, you know, yeah, we're going, we're going, to, we're going to do it. You know, they, now, now, in both instances, the men and the women. The uh, the women is basically going to be in uh, all the games going to be in San Antonio. The majority of the games in San Antonio and Texas, and the majority of the men's games are going to be in uh, Indiana. Most importantly, mostly uh, Indianapolis. So, they, you know, and 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 it's not foolproof as as we've already seen. You know. I, I, again, not to not to um, be a broken record, but you know we'll see. We'll see how this plays out. There's you know, hell of a lot can happen between now and uh, April. What is it April fifth? The uh, night of the championship game, I believe. A lot can happen. Right. A lot can happen. You know the you know, and, it, ahead, the, the women's seeds at the top four have been picked. Of course, UConn, Stanford, South Carolina and North Carolina State. And, you know, we had talked about, um, I know one of our guests had talked about Andy Reid won another Super Bowl, where you, you put him ahead of, you know, current in terms of, you know, best coach in the league or whatever. It, it, Dawn Staley, to me, is the best going. This sister mm-hmm. can recruit. This team has no fear of anybody. They play in a very good conference and the southeastern conference and they've handled uconn and the stanfords and all those this sister can can coach um and she's been a winner every every level of her basketball career is it safe to say now that she's the best coach in the country gino gets it on recruits gino don't have he can recruit to sleep he just got to close his eyes and they're gonna come to uconn but she built this program sort of like pat summit did from the ground up so like Pat, it, I think like, she's like Pat, the best like coach. Pat Summit, yeah, like Pat Summit did Tennessee, like like um, right. Gino built UConn, like Andy Landers did with Georgia, like um, like Jody Conrad did with Texas, and so on and so on. Uh, yeah, Dawn, you know, Dawn Staley, you know, to call her just a Hall of Famer is probably not even giving her justice when you realize the impact. I mean, it was funny because they were, um, um, and, and watching the, um, and watching the selection show, uh, they made an aside to, uh, a letter that Dawn Staley wrote to, uh, C. Vivian Stringer, uh, back in the day where she's her inspiration because, you know, she, she's laid the groundwork. Now, you know, of course, Coach Stringer uh, had, you know, has the HBCU pedigree, has taken multiple teams to uh, the Final Four, and um, you know it's you know she 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 built that Rutgers program. She's you know she is she is you know she's one of those she's she's a Mount Rushmore person in women's basketball. You know she's 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 as far as I'm concerned she is in the same breath as Pat. As Gino, and 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 others, maybe more so because she's done it again, also at every level. 
uh, as as an aside, also uh, Staley and um, I forget who the name of the coach was, but uh, you had two black female coaches uh, coaching against each other in the SEC uh, championship game over the weekend. So it's it, you know. It's the the thing is you're probably seeing more progressiveness going on in the women's game than more so in the yeah. men. I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're still. I mean, you're still going to see it in the men's level, but with the women, you know, I, I to me there were you know, in, in looking at the pairings, a lot of schools. You know, I mean, um, uh, Southwest Missouri State's back in the tournament, and I, and I they haven't been back I think since uh, what was your name, Jackie. Um, uh, when they made the run to the final four years ago, a lot of you know a lot of like newbies or teams that haven't been there in a while. Um, the thing you know, being where I'm at down here, we tend to get a certain team uh, in the upper part of the state shoved down our throat a little bit. But right. if you look at if if you look at women's especially on the Division One level, women's basketball, it's it's growing. It's it's growing and and it's growing uh, in a in a in a more in a positive way because you're seeing other teams besides the blue bloods get in. Um, you know, there's look, there's look. South Carolina, South Carolina's always going to be there. UConn's always going to be there. Uh, Stanford's always going to be there. Lady Vols always going to be there, and then. You have, you know, like the, the Maryland's of the world, you know, the, um, you know, the ACC schools, you know, the Carolina. So, but there's more of a balance now because, and I think that's what's going to help me. I think that'll help. I mean, you also, you know, and let's be honest, you have a chauvinistic uh, view of it from, from the, uh, from mainstream media, you know, when, when UConn was, you know, when UConn was, you know, dominating a few years back, you know, you had these guys who had never covered a women's game would tell you, I can't watch a women's game because they dominate too much. Now, when UCLA right. was dominating, I didn't hear all that. When Duke was dominating, I didn't hear all that. You know, it's 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 always, you know, it's always interesting that, you know, when the when when women basically mirror what the men do, it's quote unquote hurting the game. No, you're just showing you. You know, you're just showing your ignorance uh, more than anything else. But um, but not nah, and it's, it's and and look and see. I think you know Dawn's still not a baby because she's been doing this for about ten years. But for what she's done in South Carolina State, they're, it's they're, they're still relatively young uh, overall in what they've been able to do. You know, she's already got a title. She's been to some Final Fours. They've won the SEC, you know. They've won the SEC, you know, numerous times. And it's, you know, she's she's probably, even though, you know, you know, even though if she were to win it this year, it would only be like her second. But she's on her way to adding to what uh, Summit and Oriyama and Springer have already done. And yeah. Did it, and and the and the fact that she was able to in a sense build her own program, I think that just speaks um, about who she is and 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 what she still can accomplish. And you know, this being Women's History Month, and like uh, Black History should be three sixty five. Women's History, you you mentioned two 
great coaches and Coach Stringer and and Coach Staley. And um, uh, by the way, folks, uh, Baylor will be taking on Jackson State from the SWAT conference, uh, the number two against 15, Jackson State being a 15. And, of course, and NC State will be taking on uh, the Lady Aggies of North Carolina A&T. That's number one against number 16. That's on a women's uh, uh, side of the world. Final question for you, uh, uh, T, before you go. Uh, have you seen anything surprisingly? Obviously, in spring training, everybody's just trying to get their reps in. You know, it's just like with OTAs with football. Pitchers want to get their, their arm loose and throw. Guys want to get their bat and um, their swing and get their, their rhythm going. And all those guys want to make the roster. But have you seen anything or any team or any players that have surprised you thus far? Um, moving to to opening day. Quite 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 simply, I think I have watched maybe like five combined innings of various games this year because I I'm actually been in a little bit more of a basketball mode the last you know um, month or so. I mean, spring training it is it it, it is what it is. I mean, um, I will say this. Um, I think. The Angels may have to try to make a decision on Mr. Uh, Mr. Oshani because if they truly want to take it to the next level or try to do something while um, while uh, Mike Trout is still in his time, they may have to make Otani be a uh, your fourth, like a fourth or fifth starter. And I know you know you lose his bat or what have you, but. You may have to just make him one of your starters just so you can have a fighting chance to, you know, contend in that division because they didn't really add much to me uh, with their pitching staff. Um, look, they're, they're going to hit the ball, you know, but until they get some serious pitching, they're going to be – it's going to be a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest for them. <laughs> And it'd be interesting to see he, you know, he had the elbow in, injury, and that if if that will be a concern moving forward with him, like oh, you're saying, and, and, and they and throw him in. That's the basic excuse that they're using. But see, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Because you know, with all the pitchers that were out there this year, they basically were like Charlie Brown on Halloween night. They got a rock. They got a rock, and there's you know at this point in time right now, you know I think they'll finish 500, but it's probably gonna be like right at 500 for you know they unless unless one of these guys you know just takes it to an entirely different level, they're just gonna be another middle of the road. You know they'll be fun to watch, but they're just gonna be another middle of the road team, and until. If if this if 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 Otani is what they've made him out to be, at the very least you have to say you know what we may have to make him a full time pitcher, and because they have all the hitting in the world, but they're not going to go nowhere. They're not going anywhere in that division. They're they're only they are only a potato chip away from being the Texas Rangers. Hmm. Yeah, 
I mean, you figure Astros af- athletics competing for the title, uh, the division, yeah, and that absolutely that division. Absolutely. That's about it. Absolutely, um, absolutely. I mean, in and I'm just I'm, I'm waiting to, to see if, if Garcia. I was gonna say I'm waiting to see uh, quickly uh, with with, with Delvey Garcia and Montgomery and Kluber. If the Yankee, I mean, that rotation, man, I mean, outside of Garrett Cole, and they they push in Domingo, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, they're, you know, they're, they, they're, they, banking lot, they're banking a lot on uh, Severino, and they may know something we don't. I mean, I, for, for their sake, they better, because if you can, put it this way, if you get 20, 25 starts out of uh, Severino this year, you'll win the division. You should, you should win the division. I, I I still think – I actually think Kluber may actually – you know, see, the thing is Kluber doesn't have to be Cy Young Award winning Kluber. He does you know, put his way, he doesn't have to be Cy Young Kluber, but damn sure don't want him to do his A.J. Happ impersonation. Right. He's got to be the number two guy, in my opinion. And three. Severino three. three, two or three. They could you could rotate those two guys if you yeah. could get yeah. like I said, if Severino can you can get the starts out of him. Um, but Cole's gonna give you what Cole's gonna give you, and then but again, then what's four and five? I mean, we don't know what we're gonna get out of the rest of that that well, group. Well, you, don't, and you it's don't just really, a lot of mystery. You don't really you don't really worry about a number five guy this early because let's be honest, you're gonna. You know, there's going to be rain out. There's going to be COVID out as well. So get, you know, establish your four and and, 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 and go from there. But see, for the first time in a little while, with Britain being out, now now you got some concerns um, in the pen. So well, that's what that, I said. Your five could be, your, five could be your long guy too, though. Mm-hmm. But I'm right, saying, your five could be your long guy though too. Sure, yeah. It's more so. This puts more pressure on the start. Uh, to me, this puts more pressure on the starters if the book is. See, you know, they've been living off of their bullpen, you know, for the last few years. So, if the bullpen comes up a little short, that just puts more pressure. Because see, at the end of the day, good, bad, or indifferent, it comes down to the starters. It comes down to the starting pitch. Right. Because you can't concede. Right. Um, the reason why Joe Girardi's in Philly, besides the analytics, he's in that bullpen to the ground. Yep. You know, by 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 the time you got to like say late August, early September, those guys were dragging ass. Right, and it showed up too. It showed up certainly yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gonna leave it there, T. As always, my friend, I appreciate your time. Well, Thursday, thank you, man. Take care, Mr. Thomas. <laughs> Goodbye, Tony G. Mac McLean. He's the editor in chief of Black Athlete uh, Sports Newsroom, BASN uh, dot com, BASN uh, dot com. Um, that's gonna do it for that portion of our show. If you miss any bar- broadcast, make sure you. Uh, go to our website, the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. Bachelor with a T, B A T C H E L O R. The Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. 
our our page is at the top left. You click on it, and you'll see all the interviews there. You can also listen to um, lots of music on the homepage as well, and some of the other shows that we have. We always leave you with music. We thank you for joining us. Follow us on Facebook at Pad Nation on uh, Twitter at Pad Nation Two, LA Bachelor Instagram, and you can email us at la at the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. Enjoy the music, and we will talk to you very soon. Thank you.
That's why I came up here. See, this is nice. Peace and quiet. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I'm anxious to get home. So am I. I fell asleep late last night. And I dreamed of the night is almost half a day away. I just got up so that I could hear her say.
thebastionnewsradionetwork.com, thebastionnewsradionetwork.com. In fact, if you go to the homepage, you can listen to Whisper Softly as we play love songs for you. Enjoy. We'll talk with you very, very soon on the Best News Radio Show, on the Best News Radio Network, and our good friend, our sister station, WCOM, in Chapel Hill, Carborough. Love you. Thanks for listening. 